Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. <laughs> Tommy, Ocean Chinook or Puget Sound Coho, what is your palate favorite? And you drop yeah. that kokanee on top of that barn door halibut's head, 67 feet of water, and he was not happy about that. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Boxers or briefs? Ooh, I'm going to have to go with a European cut speedo. Fantastic. Excellent choice. I yeah. love tuna. I do love tuna. Heck yeah! <laughs> hey, you know, I have a buddy who refers to Canadian geese as flying carp. Obviously, he's not cooking them. <laughs> he clearly, right? Oh, ocean snook. Seriously? Hands down. Really? Hands down. I don't fish for coho. Ah, good point. Hey, speaking of grind, can you tell the difference between ground deer and ground elk? Honestly, taste the difference. You know, Dwayne, we only get one chance to live this life. Mm-hmm. And you will always regret the things that you don't do. So you know what I tell people? Buy the damn boat. Hey, you know, the facts are some days are just a grind. Welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, the number one fishing and hunting talk show throughout the Pacific Northwest and beyond. Now here's your host, Dwayne England, and of course, the infamous Tommy Donlan. Hello, and welcome to Fish Hunt Northwest, Dwayne England, and yes, ladies and gentlemen, Tommy Donlan. I'm back, baby. Hey, we are back in studio. How long has it been? It's been a while. For, for an it's actual live show, not That's right. you know having to, having to kind of punt and put up something uh, pre-edited and whatnot to fill the void, but it uh, feels good to be back in here. It does feel good. It's been a little bit, yep. man. So uh, this is officially our first live event here, uh, 2023. I want to welcome everybody back to the show, back here in studio. we got a great show lined up for you this evening, as we do each and every week. Before we get too far along, Tommy, of course, we've got to remind folks, especially if you're joining us here first time on Root Sports, jump on over to all our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're on all of them. Check out our YouTube channel, subscribe, so you never miss the announcements of up and coming and new content. And of course, get on over to our uh, webpage where we have a lot going on there. Um, all of our social media platforms can be uh, gotten to, I guess, from our webpage. And you'll see front and center there, Tommy, we're still running the FHN 20. We're still partnered up with Edge Rods. You're going to get the FHN 20 coupon, 20% off all Edge Rods all the time um, if they're not already attached to some other reduced pricing or coupon event or something like that. And Edge Rods right. is going to be at the Sportsman Show with a ginormous booth selling tons of rods and we're going to get on to all that later on here in the show about what's coming with these sportsman mm-hmm. shows but you know it's just um it's that time of year it's, it just feels busy there's there's things to do yep and then and then after the shows are over it's it's right into our saltwater season oh. and springers and it you just, name it it just it just keeps on going i mean there's yeah. there's plenty to do right now as we kind of meander our way through this time of year mm-hmm. uh given the weather conditions as of late you got to kind of pick your poison but there's stuff to go do and uh, i'm heading out on the road tomorrow we'll get into that a little bit later as well a little little road <laughs> road trip with uh mike gainsworth and uh, our buddy matt messing here starting tomorrow so that'll be good but uh hey before we uh keep uh doing that meandering along let's uh let's run down the show here good one lined up for tonight interesting conversation with uh bobby kratzer robert kratzer uh of um Angler's Guide Service, when we were out there fishing with him, Bobby and I took the time to uh, speak on a couple of different topics. And steelhead, hatchery, and broodstock in the current programs on the Bogusio and Quileute system, parts one and two, bringing that to you tonight. It's a great conversation, great information. Bobby always brings the knowledge and it's uh, information you folks 
uh, will enjoy hearing. And then uh, we get back from that, uh, Tommy, we're going to jump back in the bait lab. Multiple methods of rigging up for bobber dog, and bobber dog has become a pretty uh, go-to method anymore of uh, finding success on steelhead this time of year. Have a couple different technique methods and how to rig to kind of show you the differences and when they're applicable uh, based on your water conditions. And then a uh, little little short uh, video, a little snippet I took from last week when we were out on the water. Had a little had a little boat tip, little little, <laughs> yeah, little drift boat. And I don't mean like tip in talking on. Hey, here's what you want to do. Here's a little tip on how what when the boat actually tips. So yes. we didn't go all the way over, but uh, we were feeling feeling the stress nonetheless. So we want to talk a little bit about boat safety and a wake up call safety first. Then we're gonna close out the show with some announcements. Kind of already mentioned the sportsman shows coming up, mm -hmm. the boat show. You, you and I are both given seminars. We got seminars, yep. prime time. We have some great, uh, great uh, coupon savings and all the swag at the FHN booth. Going to tell you all about that. Going to have a big booth down yep. there this year, and it's going to be. I'm excited. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's going to be good. And I think we're going to see a presence of folks showing up finally this year that we hadn't seen the last couple yeah. of years coming off the heels of COVID. Right. We were still okay. COVID limited last year. People weren't sure if they wanted to go out. Yep. There were still mask restrictions in place. Yep. So yep. this year, this year it's full bore. Yeah. Full on. It's so, be good. All right. Lots to look forward to. We're going to jump out for a quick break. We come back. We're going to have the interview segment with Bobby Kratzer, Robert Kratzer, Angler's Guide Service out there on the coast. Don't go anywhere. A couple minute break. We'll be back right here at Fish on Northwest. Defiance Marine is the one-stop shop for the Pacific Northwest Angler. Defiance Marine guarantees the best price on a new and best service on a repower for your current boat. Defiance Marine is a Honda Premier dealership and one of the largest on the West Coast. Defiance Marine is a boat dealer who proudly sells Defiance, Allied, and Arima boats. All boats are built by West Coast fishermen for West Coast fishermen. Defiance Marine has all your boating needs to help you get out on the water. If you're looking for the best fishing rods in the world, you really do need to take a look at the edge rods. I designed and built new machinery, and I think this new machinery has enabled us to build blanks like no other company can build without this equipment. There is no other rods in the world that are as good as these rods. You owe it to yourself to take a good look at them. All right, guys. Hey, we're out here on the water today. Uh, my good buddy, Bobby Kratzer. Hey, thanks for having me and Matt out here today. No problem. I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, been a pretty good day of fishing, but, uh, you know, we got some got some stuff I want people to understand about this North Coast. I think one thing is for certain, this last two seasons in the season setting process, people really started understanding the difference between what we refer to as South Coast and North Coast. Oh, yeah. Now, you're out here predominantly on the North Coast. Yep. Um, no secret. I mean, this river here is one of a few in the Bogashiel that we can fish out of the boat. Correct. For this season, right? They gave us yeah. that back. Yep. And um, the early season returns, and this is what I want you to talk about, is this hatchery program. Got a pretty decent amount of fish coming back early. Yep. Let's kind of break that down, what this system now does via the hatchery program, and kind of talk about, we'll kind of get into that previous sole duck brood stock, how it shifted and that whole, that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, basically now you have fish in here. We start catching winter steelhead here, middle of November. Yeah. You know, 
you know, you can be fishing for cohos in here, and next thing you know, you got a, a winter steelhead. Early steelhead. Yeah, yeah. and, and they, so they stay early, and then this run will be really, it's peak kind of right, right about now. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you'll have them through early January, you know, before the wildfish numbers start to appear. Right. There are a few wildfish sneaking through here right now, but not very many. There's pretty so, decent, I mean, it looks the first time running out to the this part of the coast this season um and what we observed today there seems to be some decent numbers of fish yep. quality of fish some nice bright fish yep. not a lot of pressure day albeit yeah. it is midweek but right. you know um yeah. historically this place would pull people from everywhere yeah you know and i we have to go back a few years there were some major changes to the hatchery program here mm -hmm. and and it has to do with the Kalawa and the bogey issue and in essentially what they did was they took a hundred thousand fish that used to be planted in the Kalawa side mm -hmm. and there's two ponds there's a north pond and a south pond right and the south pond is a, a much larger um it's got a natural spring in it holds water all year it's colder it has natural food in it mm. and that was the pond that they used on the Kalawa and they used to plant a hundred thousand fish out of it but the pond the creek itself is pretty small mm -hmm. and it doesn't have a trap on it oh right and then um, they used to plant 50,000 in the Bogashiel. And if you remember back in time, we used to do a lot of outplanting, right? Yeah. So they would plant a bunch of fish at the hatchery mm -hmm. on the Bogashiel, mm -hmm. but then they would also plant a bunch out of a truck way up the Bogashiel up higher. Gotcha. And they would just plant them, just spot plant them. And so... Would those be imprinted to return to the hatchery? A lot of them would, but then a lot of them would imprint up there because they would go up there to where they were. Im they would yeah. imprint to where they were released. Yeah, and so the state went with, through that big deal of, of you know, we want minimal amount of hatchery fish in the system, mm -hmm. and so we're only planting them at hatcheries now, and we want traps mm -hmm. on all of the systems, right? Yeah. So the South Pond doesn't have a trap. Oh. And the North Pond is much smaller. Right. So what they did was they took the 100,000 fish that used to be planted in the Solda or the Kalawa, and they moved it to the Bogashield. And oh, then yeah. the 50,000 that was planted on the Bogashield side, they mm -hmm. moved to the Kalawa side. So they didn't really move it. They just reduced the one side, increased the other. Mm -hmm. And so... So what's the total fish between Kalawa and Bogey? 150,000. 150,000, which they've done for years and years and years and this is an early returning this is a december this is a chambers creek stop yeah they're really trying to differentiate between those early arrivals for recreational mm -hmm. opportunity yep. when they allow us to have one and yep. those late arriving you know natural uh or wild fish so right. um i thought i had read we're this early run this early hatchery return is mm -hmm. in around almost six thousand this year yep if it materializes right and with those that's, oh, that's Forecasted. That's forecasted. So that's and, pre pre co yeah. manager catch. Yes, us yeah. catch. Be curious to so see what the hatchery gets and what the recreational impact is. But you know, it's a favorable year based on oh, ocean yeah. conditions. Look at all our other fisheries, and we can yeah. name them all. And every one of them yeah. overperformed what the preseason forecast was. So I, I have to assume winter run steelhead out here on the coast is going to hopefully perform better than they anticipated. Right? Everybody wins if that's the case. And I think so. And you typically when you see a run that's going to come in stronger, you typically see them early mm -hmm. and you typically, typically see them strong. Yeah. And and there were some really strong early pushes of, of these hatchery fish mm -hmm. in early November. Yeah. Like when they reopened the river from the salmon closure right. and we had a couple little high waters around the 10th of November, there were people over here catching them. And they were like, oh, 
that's a steelhead. Oh, yeah. that's a steelhead. And yet, so there was a fair amount caught. Yeah. People started kind of really targeting them, kind of having, you know, those double days where you have coho and, and steelhead. Coho and steelhead on the same trip. Which, know? nice segue. So we are fishing low, clear water. Yep. It is cold out here. I mean, a little bit of snow forecasted today, but it's just barely hovering at freezing. Right. Uh, supposed to do it throughout the week. Right. You know, if we get a decent amount of snow and then you get snow melt, indoor switches over to rain, we're going to get a nice little water bump here on these oh, rivers, yeah. right? And yep. I'm pretty sure, knowing you, you're yep. like, this is really going to be the telltale sign here. Yep. We get a little push of water. Now we're going to see these things. And we get a little of that nice green to the water, and they really right. get on the snap. Yep. So the next few weeks, I mean, after this uh, wash, yeah. It could be pretty productive. Though. Yeah. There's a lot of fish in the river. Yeah. They're not as snappy as we'd like, mm-hmm. just with the cold, clear, low conditions. But yeah, um, yeah any kind of bump in the water, they're going to they're gonna go. And then it's also the segue into, you know, we'll start seeing the, the first, fish first of our wild fish. Yeah. Allied. The new leader in heavy gauge aluminum boats. Allied boats have standard reverse chine and lifting rakes to help you plane faster and run at lower RPMs. Allied boats have several models to choose from, ranging from a 19-foot Mustang all the way up to a 32-foot Liberator. So regardless of what type of heavy gauge aluminum boats you are looking for, Allied boats will have it for you. Contact Allied boats today to learn more about these incredible fishing machines. So you sit on a lot of different organizations, councils, <laughs> uh, extremely busy. Um, the uh, the program that they're doing right now, is there any indication, are you seeing any red flags, anything that worries you that they're working down the road towards cutbacks on this recognized early hatchery program out here? There's nothing right now. There's, there hasn't been any discussion or anything like that. And, and partly it's because of our strength of our wild populations here. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at the North Coast here and we have the Quileute system, which is what we're sitting in right now. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to get, our, we're forecasted to see 3,300 fish above escapement mm-hmm. this year, above the wild fish escapement. Right. Uh, last year we were around 3,000 fish above that escapement, mm-hmm. you know, forecasted. And so if you look at the last, 40 years, the cooling system's only been under escapement twice. Yeah. And so we're in a much different situation yeah, well, yeah. than we are down south. Yeah, and so, absolutely. So being that that's the case, there's not a lot of talk okay. around this hatchery program here mm-hmm. and decreasing it or doing anything with it. And we actually have, you know, I mean, they actually show numbers that we could even increase the population, right? Gotcha. And so, yeah. Um, Why not? You know, you actually could based on your wild fish numbers. Sure. And so um, there's not a lot of discussion around that. No. But there's no discussion in removing this. There was a talk about, you know, we had the Snare Creek Broodstock program over on the Solduck. Right. And and when that Solduck became a wild gene bank, there was discussion about moving the wild broodstock over to here. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And and moving it onto the claw and the bumper shield. Uh-huh. And and we did that and we had it for a few years and then it kind of wasn't performing to the level that we liked or the state liked or anything so we were discussing how we were going to do it differently and make it better Um, one of the discussions was that came along was with the broodstock was was not only did we want to broodstock like the whole season Mm -hmm. like collect fish from november clean till may sure 
maximize and, the water and, return. And yeah. get a, a whole uh, makeup of the wild broodstock program. Yeah. Um, but in that, one of the discussions was, do we do a broodstock program, a complete broodstock program to where you do that and then eventually you build that program up enough to where you have that and then you kind of somewhat get rid of this program. Mm. Right, you start yep. eliminating this program yep. to go to the full broodstock program, and as good as that sounds, mm-hmm. and as much as we were like, yeah, okay, let's, sounds but, really but uh-huh. when you started talking about it, first of all, when you just do the broodstock program, now we're going to have these broodstock fish coming back throughout the whole yeah. time frame, right? Including like earlier during, arrivals with the hatchery fish. Right, but during the whole wild fish population, mm-hmm. during the wild fish runs and everything, sure. which we're like, well, that could increase the pressure yeah. on the wild fish. Yeah, that's a good point. Right? Mm-hmm. And, but if we get enough numbers, mm-hmm. if, if they allow us to plant enough fish, right. you know, that's the key is sure. you got to plant enough fish. Yeah. You can't plant 25,000 fish and expect any kind of a return back. It's not no. going to happen. No, you got to plant 100, yeah. 150,000 right. of them to get a solid return. Yep. And then you could have a, a program. Yeah. But the the idea was for us to eventually limit eliminate this Chambers Creek stock here. Yeah. Which they that was a, in concern. a lot of other areas, right? That was a big concern for us because out here because if from what we've seen with broodstock programs is you can collect broodstock wild broodstock fish mm-hmm. they're gonna act like a wild fish yeah they're gonna return like a wild fish that's all they know so they're going to return at the same yeah. time the wild fish do yeah we don't have a lot of wild fish in november or december right so basically we'd be eliminating this program mm-hmm. which would eliminate this season yeah right yep and so for some of us we're like Eh, not <laughs> yeah. sure that we want to like we've already lost so many it fisheries. makes sense you can't put in what you don't have right we've already lost so many so, fisheries that we're not sure that we really want right. to lose lose all of december latter yep. november december and early january you we, know we've lost december on a number of rivers right. including the entire Cowlitz program yeah right yeah. which sustained for years a lot of guys made their living yep. on the cows year round they've yep. totally changed the timing on a number of those runs right. and what they contribute to that fishery so right. and it's cause and effect that also trickles down out into the columbia during salmon season and just you know to set all the models and the numbers so um yeah if we can stop minimizing or reducing and or removing december steelhead programs yeah. and some of these rivers that continue to prove that they do well and the wild fish numbers are not impacted mm-hmm. then we do have a right, I feel, in the state of Washington to continue to provide this opportunity yep. to recreational anglers. Right. So, yep. and broodstocks are—they're a wonderful program, and we really missed the one on the sole duck. But oh, yeah. our broodstock program on the sole duck was designed to do one thing, and that was—that was to help the early timed wild steelhead mm-hmm. population excel. Yes. So I still believe that we could do a wild broodstock program, but it wasn't conflicting here. with a hatchery program. It was not conflicting right. with the hatchery program. It was yeah. just its own program. Yep. And it really did help the it was sold tremendous. Up, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maintain the early wild population of steelhead. And it's still, today, if you want to catch early steelhead, wild mm-hmm. steelhead in mm-hmm. any kind of numbers, mm-hmm. it's a sold up. Yeah. And it has them, like, in, you know, by the end of November, end of December, January, you start seeing good populations right. where a lot of places 
don't see good population of wildfish mm-hmm. until February and yep. March and April. Yep. yep. And so it did what it was designed to do. And I do feel like there'd be a place in the Bogusheel or the Kalawa mm-hmm. to collect early timed fish mm. and help the early time steelhead yeah. kind of stay strong and, yeah. and so forth. Or or do it like in the Ho or, yeah. you know, there's a lot of places we can do it. Absolutely. Well, yeah. solid information, my friend, as always. That's yeah. why we lean on you to bring it out, yeah. educate the folks as to what's going on out here in the North Coast. And sure. you always hit it out of the park, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, no problem. All right, that's going to do it for us uh, here on this stretch of river with yep. Robert Kratzer, Bobby, as I referred to him, <laughs> and uh, uh, Angler's Guide Service. We are going to jump out for a quick break. We'll be back in studio right after this. New friends, new loves, new dreams, new goals, new scenery, new job. No matter what the next chapter holds, Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate will be there to help you find the new that's right for your lifestyle at any stage of your life. Better Homes and Gardens Real Estate. Expect better. Sportco and Outdoor Emporium is the largest local outfitter in the Northwest since 1975, providing thousands of people affordable outdoor gear. This summer, make your next outdoor adventure more affordable by shopping at our warehouse-style pricing. We are a local Scotty dealer, offering sales, service, and repair. Located in Fife and Seattle, come visit us today. The outdoors await you. Oh, yeah. Big fish. Yeah, buddy. Nice fish. Beauty. Gorgeous fish. Bobby's on the board. We got a good one. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, geez. Come on. Nice fish. Nice fish. Well, hey, welcome back in studio. Uh, hopefully you enjoy that. You know, Robert Kratzer, Bobby, is just such a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, he's got it dialed in. He's involved in so many groups. We've had him on here a number of times as a guest, and we always try to remember to kind of walk through all the organizations he's either president, vice president for, and the Washington you know, Guide Association, of which we uh, support in their uh, endeavors. And um, there's just a whole lot of work and effort behind the scenes. And, mm-hmm. you know, when we sit there... With these preseason forecast meetings and we listen to what the state is proposing that we get to do or don't get to do and the fact that out there in that system a couple of those rivers we got to actually fish out of the boat again this year now that being said when when matt and i went out there to team up with bobby and spend a day not only fishing but conducting some of these interview question answer things because i wanted to get this information out there for people just to help educate right for sure um the water is extremely low and clear uh contrast to what's going on now but um, you know so we were literally fishing out of the boat uh, because it was conducive to do so right um, even though you could fish from the boat in that it, river system if yes. you wanted to right and in the few videos that you know I've been able to put together from that that uh, information we put together on that day you know you can watch and see that we are literally fishing out of the boat at times um, mm-hmm. but it's all based on conditions and you know that one that time of year and what was going on then prior to all this rain finally showing up, mm-hmm. it was basically like picking pockets. And, and so 
as we move forward here in the show tonight, second half of the show, we're going to get into the bait lab there and show a couple of different ways of rigging that bobber dogging style that was so effective out there in low clear water. Perfect. Differences, right? So, but, uh, but uh, to spend a day with Bobby and not just fish, but to talk about management of fisheries, you know, him having a voice um, for the various guides, associations, and mm -hmm. affiliations, and really he puts in a tremendous amount of time in these meetings talking with the program directors and fishery managers and the biologists, and he really has his thumb on the pulse out there in the Forks area in that Quileute system. And so it's well worth listening to him to get that, that component of it. You know, there's fishing, and then there's all the other things we constantly are talking about and trying to understand. It's complicated. Yeah, it is. It's complicated. It is a so, mess. It so is you, a mess. I, so there's 6,000 fish coming back to the Bugger Shield. Did you see a lot of pressure out there? Were you guys the only ones on the water? No, there's a handful of guys that, okay. you know, you can walk in below the hatchery there and fish the bank, and guys mm -hmm. have been doing pretty good there. It's been off and on. That, that front push of that hatchery run is starting to taper off. Okay. And uh, the plan was to head out to the coast this weekend. Uh, Ainsworth and uh, Matt Messing and I, we're going to head out there and, you know, mm -hmm. do some fish and get some content. But river's going straight up. Right. And uh, they're going to be dropping, I think, uh, maybe by Sunday. Thereby, uh, we're heading to the east side to go do some mm -hmm. something different over there. But, um, yeah, the plan was to get back out there. Now, that being said, some of these rivers are open until, you know, March, into February, into March. And uh, mm -hmm. water's going to drop, and we're going to have opportunities. So I'm looking forward to get back out of the coast a couple more times before the end of the season. So and maybe if we're lucky, you'll even drag me along, and I can catch my first steal. That out. would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, it's going to do it for us on the first half of the show here on Root Sports. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for joining us. If you are tuning in live this evening on the live stream, uh, stick around. Get the second half of the show in a bait lab coming up right after the break. Right here, Fish Show Northwest. A Northwest favorite for almost 40 years, Arima boats are manufactured with pride in Bremerton, Washington. All Arima boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why Arima boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. Arima can offer every boat with Honda outboard packages so that you can take advantage of the reliability and five-year top-to-prop warranty from your Honda outboard. Call or stop by Arima boats today and let them help you get into your very next boat. All right, welcome back here in studio. Yeah, I just uh, I had to take a quick break there, man. I was just talking yeah. and talking. All of a sudden, I'm like, I just feel like I can't even catch my breath here trying to just talk too much. You, you just, you're so excited talking I'm about bobber so dogging. I'm just so excited to be back in here and bobber dogging. And, you know, I think if we would have been talking kokanee, I might have passed out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could happen. So, anyway, I appreciate everybody asking. I just, yeah, I had a moment there. I was like, I wasn't able to catch my breath, and I felt like I was stumbling on my words. So I just had to take a quick break there. No big deal. Uh, glad to be back in here. Hey, so... Tommy, this last week, uh, Ainsworth and uh, Messing and I, we got out. Mm -hmm. We decided to go fish a southwest uh, Washington River that, uh, believe it or not, you can fish out of your boat. You can use bait. You can use double rigs like I was showing there in the bait lab. You can, you can actually steelhead fish. It was fantastic. That's beautiful. 90% uh, chance of rain. It sprinkled on us a little bit in the morning, and then it was dry all day long. Perfect. The fishing was great. We got into a few steelhead, got a couple nice big fatty trout in what we were presenting. We pulled some plugs. We, you know, fished. Ainsworth and I were just having a great day, just like fishing old times. And, you mm -hmm. know, he did really well with his uh, rag presentation with a little scent. And uh, we got some on, got some on bait. Just, uh, it was just an all around good day. Mm. Unfortunately, we had some, had some sound issues with our videoing. And so I'm only going to be able to use bits and pieces of some of the content we actually got that day, which, I mean, it happens, right? You go out there, there's a lot going on. And so, but the, the one thing I want to emphasize here is that 
I've been on that river a lot. When I first started rowing a drift boat, that was the river I was constantly going to in the springtime, going after steelhead and springers. And just, um, I'm very familiar with the river. It's uh, more of a canyon type of an environment. The river doesn't change much, literally at all. You know, it's been the same way for 20 whatever years I've been rowing a drift boat. And I'll, I'll be the first to say, look, I am not one of the top notch guys that I'm not going to go row the, the bogey mm-hmm. or the, um, the, uh, the sole duck and stuff because I just don't put enough time in out there. And, you know, if I want to go out there and fish, I don't want to worry about rowing those rivers. I'm just going to fish with people that do. These sure. rivers in my backyard have been rowing for years, have all the confidence in the world, avoiding wood uh, structures and trees and just how to navigate down the river and, you know, stay out of trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, this particular river, there's a hard corner up against a rock wall that's been there forever. And the flows are, were up a little bit this last week. I didn't think much of it going into it. It's just another day on the river, been there. So, you know, at the end of it, was it like complacency, overconfidence, a comfort level that you're just accustomed to? So, eh, no big deal. PFD's on the boat, tucked underneath the seat so they sure. stay nice and dry. Right. Okay. So there's a few reminders and a few takeaways from this uh, this little unsettling uh, moment that we experienced there. Fortunately, we pulled out of it, bounced out, and you'll see we drained the water out of the boat. But it's a good remind. <clears throat> it's a good reminder. And I just I want to run this couple minute video, show you guys a little. And if you are familiar with being in a drift boat, you'll probably kind of see the unstableness there for a little bit. If you're not familiar with running a drift boat, you may just look at this and go, "I don't get it. What's the big deal?" So. We're going to roll the video right now, and then we'll come back and talk about it, talk about some uh, tips for safety and things to uh, keep in mind when you're navigating a river. So anyway, uh, yeah, Max, um, historically in the past too, yes, I have shot between the rocks in the past, and I, uh, it's a little, little safer, but there's two large boulders over there on the right-hand side. And if you set mm-hmm. up and come down there on the far right and drop through that, you're going to scurfle on the top of that boil and, and kind of push your way on out of there. I came down around that corner and I was just like, oh, it looks like it's going to kind of shove me right to the wall. But I've rode that one probably as much as ever going through the rocks. And Mm. so I just felt like I could just keep it off the wall. And as the current comes in off of that boil and there's that strong current seam going right along the wall, I just figured I'd ride that current on top. Yeah. No big deal. Just, you know, and it just popped me out at the bottom end of it there. Um, But as it got into there, it kind of stalled and I was rowing, pulling to keep off of the wall. And... The front of the boat got up there a little bit. Now, there's, I put this video out on our Facebook page here last this last week, and guys were saying, hey, the guy in the front of the boat should have sat down. I'm like, yeah, I mean, Mike could have sat down. It didn't, his weight distribution didn't do. Right, because it's not like he was moving forward after. No, side he side. just he held on to the side, and he just kind of turned around and looked. Stable. And I mean, he rose a drift boat. Right, you know, he kind of turned around and, and he gave the, uh, hey, what's going on back there, look. Matt was sitting in the back. Matt is uh, Matt's a good sized kid. You know he's a little good anchor in the back there. Yep, and that boat, that Rift Tech, is a moderately low sided, you know, fly fishing model. It's like it doesn't Ah. have the high sides on it. It's pretty low. And as we were kind of rolling along, you can see on that side camera. I mean, I don't have a lot of freeboard right to that top side of that gunnel wrap. So um, as we got into that corner, it pitched up a little bit. Didn't take much for that back right corner of that boat to kind of dip Mm -hmm. down. And as I look, got all this water coming in. Matt and Mike both leaned to the left, which allowed it to kind of pop back up, and then we just, you know, floated off of there, and it was over before we knew it. But uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, and, you know, the top end of that particular river on a couple of those spots is probably where you should have your PFD on. Mm-hmm. They don't do any good being stuffed under the seat. Um, 
there are stretches of river that you can float day after day and and never require PFD. There's no sure. nothing challenging. Right. If you're one that lacks the ability to swim, right? They, yeah. Or understand yeah. how current takes you down and sweeps you into strainers and over and under you right. know, obstacles that could kill you, you should probably wear your PFD. Well, that, that's the big concern, right, is that you've got a, a log underwater there where if you fall in at that given spot, you're going to get sucked under. Potentially. And you don't know if you may be sucked under and yeah. stay under yeah. or you may pop back up the other side. Yeah, not everybody who fishes and rows drift boats has done like water rescue, swift water rescue for 18 or 20 years either. Right. So if I find myself in a river, I know how to point my body directionally. I know how to how to let the current take me where it wants to go. I know how to avoid obstacles. And I also know how to swim out when it's appropriate, when you can turn out of it and roll into a back end and get out of there. That's stuff that you practice in dry suits with PFDs and do it over and over and over mm. again. You're actually navigating the water as you are in the water, right? Mm. Most people, if you dump a boat, you are panicked yeah. for good reason, sure. extremely cold. Right. And if the cold doesn't get you um, very quickly, then, you know, you are, uh, <laughs> you're subjected to just not being able to function very good because you've never been in this situation before. Sure, right. You have years of water rescue training. Yeah. You don't understand what the current's going to do, especially if you're not the person rowing the boat. Right. Okay, so. Cause um, yeah, because yeah, you, you could be fishing, and so you're not really necessarily paying attention to the current, where it's going, how mm, it's moving the boat, mm -hmm. or right? And so yeah. you get dumped in the water. You don't even know which way to swim, maybe. Yeah, now you're a suspended load in the water, and it, the current's going to take you where it wants to take you. And um, you could waste a lot of energy trying to get out of the water too quickly. It'd be kind of like a riptide. Sure. If you don't know how to right. get out of a riptide, right. you're going to exhaust yourself trying to get out of the riptide. Right, well, trying to get back to shore. Yeah. Right. So um, most folks don't ever have that that uh, the training, right? So or the thought process, yeah. Yeah, right. hindsight, you know, with the flows where it was at, I just underestimated how hard it would push me into that particular area, and I probably should have been way to the right. And I also uh, didn't give it a second thought about Matt being in the back and how low mm -hmm. with the gear and Matt and everything the boat was truly riding in the back. Um, we were going to spend the day fishing and filming, which we did, and for a majority of it, his vantage point, running cameras and things from back there, it works out pretty well. Mm. Um, we should have started the morning off in that upper end that, uh, you know, I should have had both guys up front. Sure. Would have alleviated a lot of the, uh, the, the weight distribution towards the back. The back end would have been a lot higher. I, you know, I should have taken that, I should have taken that line clear to the right. Yeah. I'm not ashamed to now, say that. Okay. So for the folks that are watching that have never, you know, really rode a drift boat. So your recommendation to them would be start out on that particular river when the flow is not so high always wear your PFD. I mean, what, what would you tell somebody that's brand new to a given river? Well, so you, uh, I see a lot of that on social media and guys are like, yeah, I want to get a drift boat, but I don't know. So, I mean, first thing is you go put it in a lake. You start rowing around, right? The, the next step in that progression is you get somebody in your boat that knows how to row a drift boat and you have them take you in your boat. Mm. And they give you instruction as you navigate down the river. And you go to a river that's pretty easy. In other words, not any tremendous rapids or rapid sets or currents that you got to fight your way through more so obstacle avoidance mm -hmm. how to put the bow towards the obstacle and how to row away from it and mm -hmm. continue to move down river right um the first thing most people do when they get into a drift boat and they're going towards something is they want to turn the boat the opposite way and they want to push forward mm -hmm. and you think you're gonna it's over here so if i can just push the boat this way i'm not going to hit it right but the, the current's going to take you current's going to take you that way so right. you're always positioning with your bow towards 
the obstacle you don't want to hit away. and you're rolling back from it. Yeah. So, and it just, it just takes a while to understand, you know, watching the surface, understanding the obstructions and how it's creating the path that mm -hmm. you're going to navigate, the, um, the V's on the top of the water to indicate which direction you want to go. Um, and again, there's a lot of rivers in this state I haven't rode, and there's a good number of rivers I have rode and feel very comfortable and successful in putting, uh, putting my boat on a number of rivers after so many years. But um, mistakes can happen. Sure. And I just, uh, for me, I honestly believe that morning going into it with a plan of what Mike and Matt and I were trying to do, is just complacency. Mm -hmm. I have floated that river a ton, especially more so in the spring when the flows are a little lower. And, and um, I've put... A handful of trips in down there in the wintertime never had an issue before. Right. But, you know, this one just kind of caught me off guard. It was a combination. And really, when you always look at how incidences or tragedies could have been avoided, it's a series of small events. Yeah, multiple things. That come right. into play all simultaneously to ultimately end in a bad outcome. Right. Right? Yep. So, when I go back and look at this, I'm like, Matt shouldn't have been in the back. Right. Probably should have PFDs on, not been overconfident. Yeah. I should have picked a better line going into that thing. Yeah, no alignment in the back of the boat. Got it. <laughs> yes. So, uh, anyway, just, you know, um, a good topic to review from time to time. Um, Sherry, but you're getting older, Dwan. Put it on. Oh, she's going to put that on the next oh, really? t-shirt, right? <laughs> you're getting older, Dwan. Put it on. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's, uh, hey, we are, uh, we're still here by the grace of God, and uh, we had a successful day. And it was after that that we started getting into I bet the fish. It, I bet it was exciting for a moment there. It was exciting yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And then we were having that discussion as we are you know, pumping the water out of it. And um, a handful of asked what, uh, what hand pump that was. Look, you can get those hand pumps in various models at your, at your sporting goods stores. That one there just happens to be made by Scotty. They sell them down there at Sportco or OE. Right. It's a great thing to have in your boat. A lot of guys carry buckets and whatnot. Yeah. I advocate for a hand pump, or you know, if you want to really step it up, you put a little uh, bilge pump in your drift boat. There you and go, and you just hit the switch. Yeah. So, but anyway, so uh, that was my takeaway from that day. Look, we had a great day, and um, we had a little bit of a little bit of a bumpy start. Wanted to share that with you guys. Trust me, it can happen anytime. I'm not ashamed to admit that. Hey, we made a few mistakes. Fortunately, it turned out okay. And uh, the boats are on the trailers, and we're heading east for the weekend, so I'm pretty excited about that. There we go. Anyway. All right, we're going to jump out for a quick break. Appreciate everybody sticking around here. Uh, we come back, Tom. We're going to break it down, man. we got some sportsman shows, boat shows, seminars, things going on sale at the FHN booth, a whole bunch of things to cover here in a short amount of time. Don't go anywhere. Jump out for a break. We'll be back right here at Fish on Northwest. All Defiance boats are built without any structural wood materials. That is why all boats are backed with a lifetime warranty. All Defiance boats come standard with large fish boxes that are fully insulated so that you can ice your fish properly all day. All Defiance boats are foam flotation filled and unsinkable for the ultimate in safety while fishing offshore. Before you buy any boat, stop by or call Defiance boats today to ensure you are getting the very best glass boat your money can buy. Cutbacks in funding and fewer law enforcement resources are affecting our businesses and communities. If your business is feeling the effects, Phoenix Protective may be the solution you are looking for. They offer security solutions customized to meet your needs. From remote video monitoring in their 24-hour control center to a proactive, experienced security professional on-site, 
Phoenix Protective has over 20 years experience in ensuring the safety of their customers. Team members are highly trained and proactive, giving them the ability to adjust to the changing needs of their customers. Customers choose to work with Phoenix Protective because they provide the next level in security support to industries such as schools, hospitals, transit, and utilities. For a security assessment to see how Phoenix Protective can help you and your business, visit their website at www.phoenixprotectivecore.com and select contact. All right, welcome back here in studio as we wind down the show. Good discussion there, Tommy. Appreciate you uh, weighing in, though you haven't spent much time. Well, it's a new world for me, so I'm Absolutely. just, I'm curious, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean, weight distribution is important no matter what boat you're in. Sure. And, I mean, what comes to mind is when I'm running on the ocean and I've got a big following sea, mm -hmm. you know, really making sure that you don't have weight in the bow of that boat because yeah. that's when you can get bow steer and you can get pitch pulled yep. and it's game over just yep. like that. Or you so, have your trim tabs totally in the wrong position. That's right. That's yeah, you're your... too far bow down. Mm -hmm. You're pushing the bow down. Yep. So, yeah, you yep. want to be bow up. You want your weight in the back. Totally. Yeah. 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 Unlike here, I didn't want all that weight in the back. Right, right, right. You, my friend, are a front seat boat, uh, drift boat passenger. Oh, that amen I, to that. That I yeah. assure you, yeah. yes. Uh, hey, as we wind it down, Tommy, we got some stuff coming up here, and we're going to remind folks over the next several weeks as we get into this. Sportsman shows are back, and I think, um, and we kind of mentioned at the start of the show, what uh, what we were subjected to the last few years. And, you know, last year we had a good-sized booth there at Puyallup, and mm -hmm. we did very well, and it was nice to see everybody and whatnot, and we – kind of stayed away from the Portland doing the whole thing down there just because we didn't know how it was going to materialize right. when, as you had said, we were kind of still on the heels of that whole COVID, you know, stuff. So mm -hmm. this year, um, yeah, 10 by 20 booth. Full we speed ahead. Teamed up with Max. So we got an overall 40 foot space there. Shing has been working day in and day out, just adding the inventory, spending the money mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and building our inventory because we have a lot of great new items to bring, different hat designs, all kinds of great stuff. And so we're starting off Washington Sportsman Show at the Puyallup Fairgrounds, February 1st through the 5th. Uh, I'm back to doing seminars apparently this year. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. They Prime time me. too, right? Huh? Saturday, Saturday, 4 p.m.? Yes, Saturday, 4 p.m. They gave me a, a prime time, no doubt. Saturday, 4 p.m. And I'm going to cover um, basically, now you think I'm, you know, catching bait, but this is. No, no, no. Huh? So we're going to talk uh, downriggers, flatlining, and side planers, side planning for triploids, trophy rainbow, trophy kokanee, yeah. right? And some of these yep. bigger bodies of water where I've been running my large size side planters and how that system performs in the allied and how I, you know, develop that and, and really the advantages to doing those types of fisheries because uh, it's a progression. And I'm going to walk yeah. you folks through the progression of side planter, um, kind of where you can start out at, and then when you want to up your game, really the benefits of doing that. And then other bodies of water to go conquer because you have confidence and the ability to run six, seven, eight rods, mm -hmm. which is a game changer, right? And it's a heck of a lot of fun. So, um, and you can get some some really good quality fish doing yeah. this, right? Yeah. It takes a little effort. And kokanee is tasty. Don't get me wrong. Oh, man. But kokanee is also the number one halibut bait. Okay. <laughs> As we learned down. last night in your presentation. Yes. Um, yes. 10 to 11 inch Kokanee are the number one halibut bait. Anything 15 inches and larger either goes on the grill or smoker. So, mm, uh, yeah. I'd anyway, Washington Sportsman Show. We will be there all week. Large size booth. Find us in the main uh, building. And, yes, seminar uh, Saturday, 4 p.m. And if you attend the seminar, at the end of the seminar, Tommy, we are handing out a coupon 
for 15% off all items in our FHN booth for Saturday um, afternoon. So you come attend the seminar, learn some things about a different method, different style of fishing when you're talking reservoirs and big lakes and larger bodies of water for kokanee and large rainbows. Um, we're going to give you a coupon when you leave the seminar. Stop by our booth. You're going to get 15% awesome. off at checkout. Shing will take 15% off. So you spend 200 bucks on items, you're going to pay 170 bucks. That's I mean, beautiful. You're saving some serious money on our backs. I don't so. think I've ever seen an incentive associated with seminars. That's great. Well, you know. I like that. i got to fill the seat some. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> hey, where's my coupon for uh -huh. the bug show? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> then, of course, we have the Northwest Sportsman Show down outside of Portland at the Expo Hall. February 15th through the 19th, <clears throat> probably do the same thing in regards to offering you folks down south there the opportunity to save some serious money on the FHN swag. So uh, we'll be doing the same seminar down there as well. I'm sure it's going to go over pretty well. And people, you know, it's a topic that I get random questions on from time to time because people are intrigued. Like, mm -hmm. how do I get started in this? Or what do I right. need to do to get going right. on this? And so I'm going to walk you through that process. But we're looking forward to both of them. Again, February 1st through the 5th and then the 15th through the 19th. And we will be there every day, all day. And Jordan is going to be there in Puyallup with this uh, fine box of jigs and many, many more. How many jigs are you going to plan to have? A couple thousand? I heard 2,000. I heard 2,000. A couple yeah. thousand jingling jigs. That's it? Oh, those are rookie numbers. Well, he's going to have Steelhead. He's going to have, his, uh, he's going to have his Rufus Woods, Triple H yes. and jigs. Rufus Woods package, and then of course the uh, the coho the coho twitchers as well. So come see Jordan at our booth. He should be there every day in Puyallup, and uh, he'll be selling jigs. So Tom, you got a boat show coming Beautiful. up. Beautiful. Yeah, we got a boat show. I'm giving seminars there February 3rd through the 11th. I think mine are Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Five different seminars. Two completely brand new seminars. From you, you got five to do. From yeah, I got five. Five different topics. Five different topics. Look at I'm, you. I'm covering it all. I got Man. salmon, halibut, tuna, mm -hmm. jigging, mm -hmm. and then I think the one that people are really gonna like is the saltwater calendar, which is gonna be basically month to month. What are all of the opportunities in the state of Washington? Yes. Yeah. So I think that's gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna cover it all just in one seminar. Um, so yeah. Come see us at the boat show. I'm also going to be at the Ray Marine booth, too. Yep. And there's some new product coming out. I don't know if you talked to Mike Sertic yet, mm. but there's some state-of-the-art, cutting-edge, new stuff from Ray Marine coming out. Going to hit the market this year, so I'm Perfect. excited for that. Yeah. No, I am. Uh, I hope to get, make it up there at least for a day. Maybe sit in on one of your seminars so you can, you know, make fun of me. And then... Uh, hey, I don't do that. No, ever. And then uh, <laughs> talk with Mike and hang out at the Ray Marine booth and just, yeah, check out the new products coming, too, that they've unveiled. So it's going to be a lot of fun, good time. Uh, with that, prior to the Sportsman Show, remember if you are in possession of a winter crab cart and have not yet reported, yes. prior to February 1, you're required to report your catch record card of winter crabbing, which you have a few in your possession, so mm -hmm. I'm sure you have to get that in. But, Already done. Okay, had a kid. So yeah. get that in. It's easy. Get online. It's never been so simple to get online. If you have not opened your account with WDFW, you are way behind the times makes it so easy to sit at your desk or your phone and literally submit your reports. Yep. It's just that simple, okay? Um, so you got your winter crab reporting that is due. And then something that kind of caught the attention here, Tommy, the last couple days, and I don't know if you had time to wrap your eyes about around this, but um, I posted this also up on our Facebook page. Senate bill, we are back in ledge session. Started Monday, January 9th, right? They opened the ledge session. Apparently, this is going to be a pretty lengthy session. Might take them clear into mid-April. Mm. So lots to uh, lots to go about there. 
Um, as we progress here next several weeks, we are going to probably start picking away at some of this uh, budgetary items coming from Inslee's office and others that are weighing in on WDFW's budget. Because as we all know, the trickle down of that is what we do or don't get. That's right. right? So yeah. it's important to kind of keep tra track on that. And Tommy, you and I the last couple of years have done that for the folks. So we can kind of mm -hmm. see how this is shaping up. And once we get done with that, we just roll right into North of Falcon. And then we right. truly start seeing what 23 is going to look yep. like. Let me back a lot, up here. a lot of money on the table too. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. There's, there's uh, money being thrown out there verbally anyway. Um, yet to see if this will all come together. But... One thing that was uh, news released by CCA and others pushing it out there to say, and what caught my attention, Tommy, was the first line or two in this press release. Today, by request of Governor Jay Inslee, Senate Bill 5297 was introduced in the Senate to eliminate non-tribal gill nets from the Columbia River with strong bipartisan support. Mm. And I was like, this came from the governor's office? to push this out there. Now look, Senator Kevin uh, Vandeway is the sponsor of this bill. Mm -hmm. Interestingly enough, Monday uh, Monday morning, 11.30 a.m., I'm gonna be in Senator Kevin Vandeway's office. Perfect. I have a couple topics I'd like to sit down and talk uh, to and about with the Senator. Um, I have some things I'm working on that I wanna present to him, and if everything goes according to my masterful plan, we can hopefully generate a bill and see if we can introduce some of this stuff. But that's the process, right? If, yeah. you, if you just sit on ideas or don't have those discussions, nothing ever happens. And we strongly talk and advocate for people here to pay attention. And you know what? Get a hold of your representatives, get a hold of your senators, get a hold of persons in certain positions mm -hmm. that, and, and, and Senator Vandeway is involved on the Senate committee who, um, who then looks at the, the commissioners who are appointed by the governor, mm -hmm. and they either confirm them or not with him and his committee, right? So right. there may be a discussion about future methods of how we select commissioners. Mm. Let me just say that. Okay. Okay. I like that. We're going to a I few like things. That. And also, yeah. uh, you know, to kind of take a look at um, this region and how we're managing steelhead and things like that. So, I, mean, I mean, one of the discussion topics that, that you should have is – you know, talk about the hatchery production and how are those hatchery fish taken out of the river system as designed if you're reducing the gillnet number in the Columbia? How does that work? How do they see that working? You know, where I get concerned is they say, well, you know, Wild Fish Conservancy has got a great idea that we're going to put, you know, you know, net pens and weirs in the, in the Columbia River. To me, that's a red flag. So I am curious kind of, you know, what is what is the full story look like? Yeah, I mean, there is that component to it. The commercial side of things, if you're removing all the gill nets, then what's the next move? Right. What's the next right. cog in the wheel? What's the buy-off here? How does this How does this all work? I mean, mm -hmm. we're all in agreement in the room and beyond that non-discriminate uh, harvest is long overdue to do away with, but there has to be a means of some type of commercial harvest. Right, and what does that mean for the tribal component? Exactly. So yeah. there's a lot of questions to be answered. There they're um, feeling pretty good about this announcement, the direction that it's going. Um, there's a lot of support for this. We've, we've dipped our toe in this and gone back and forth for years now. I mm -hmm. mean, we were heading way that way, and all of a sudden Washington pulled way back and reintroduced them mm -hmm. into the main stem and right. you know, took them out of exclusively the safe areas, recognized safe areas, and Oregon's been holding strong and not putting them back in the main stem, so there's always been a point of contention that you and I have covered yep. for the last couple of years. So... 
this again just kind of brings it to the surface to say, hey, we're introducing a bill to get rid of these non-tribal gill nets in the main stem Columbia. I'm curious to see where this goes. And again, the thing that caught my eye was the request from the governor's office or from Governor Jane mm -hmm. Inslee. And I, I'm kind of like, hmm, there's, there's something going on here. And that was the release from CCA. Yes. So CCA wrote it. And wrote this, they, the one I have here, they right. wrote this And as they wrote one. it, they said request from the governor's office. Yeah, yeah. but I also saw it in other, uh, and they may have just, people may have been copying and, and, and sharing and uh, taking off the, the CCA, uh, the title work there. But, mm -hmm. you know, it's, there's a lot of names in here. There's a lot of players. And the, uh, the, the, the sponsor of the bill, uh, Senator Vandaway, I'm gonna, I got some questions for him. I just want to kind of dig into this a little deeper. Yeah, so. you bet. Anyway, things to come in the next couple of weeks. So there you go. That's, uh, that's pretty much what we had to get through. A um, little hiccup along the way, but we got there. And I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight. Glad to be back in studio. Um, always fun, Tommy, to get in here and try to, try to get the info out. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. Lots coming up. So I am heading east with the boys uh, bright and early tomorrow morning and hope to bring that content to you guys in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. And uh, other than that, we just keep plugging along here. We will. And I'm headed south, way south. You're heading way south. More to come on that later. Way south. Yes, indeedy. And uh, I'm seeing if I can uh, pin down a, one or two guests here next week that we're, we're having some discussions, some really good stuff uh, that we want to get out there on some of this North Puget Sound steelhead stuff and activity going on. So Perfect. More to come on that. All right, that's going to do it for us this week here uh, from the studio of Fish Hunt Northwest. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please stay safe. Lots of rain coming and uh, opportunity to go out and do a few things. So whatever it is you choose to do, do it safe and have a great week. And we'll see you back here next Thursday live, 6 p.m. at the Fish Hunt Northwest studio. Hey, thanks for joining us here on the Fish Hunt Northwest weekly podcast. I want to remind everyone, and you can catch our weekly live stream show on our Facebook page and, of course, our YouTube channel every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. West Coast time. You'll get our insightful in-studio interviews, our extremely detailed how-to segments in the bait lab, the infield segments we bring to you when we're on the water or in the woods, and, of course, our amazing cooking recipes in the kitchen with co-host Sherry England and chef Jeff Maxfield. Give us a follow on our Facebook page at Fish Hunt Northwest. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fish Hunt NW. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. And finally, go to our webpage at www.fishhuntnw.com for all the latest and greatest info. Join us each week here on our podcast. Join us each week at our live production. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.